him and his three kids. Miriam's way nicer than Phil, but she can't be here today. Um, but I think the first time I really got to know Phil was he asked me, he'd heard that I, uh, um, that I, I, I used to do graffiti on walls, um, sometimes legally, uh, mostly illegally, but he heard that I could do this, and so he had this youth room that he wanted graffitiing up, so uh, I think we spent a lot of time together chatting and spraying stuff, and I did like a big Terminator kind of thing on the wall, and I put two, one too many fingers on the hand. He was pointing at a Bible saying, hell is for wimps, and I put an extra finger on his hand by mistake. <laughs> they painted over that pretty quick, didn't they? But, um, but yeah, that's like 25 years ago, and so uh, it's amazing how God, even though you have plans as young adults, God tends to, kind of, I think he just kind of chuckles a little bit, because I would never have imagined that I would be able to introduce him to the church that I pastor so many years in a completely different country. God is amazing how he takes us on different paths. But uh, we spent a lot of time together, ministering together. Um, and one of the greatest miracles I believe that Jesus ever did was that he managed to have 12 really good friends in his 30s. And uh, Phil is a really good friend, and I'm in my 40s, so I think I've done all right. Uh, so Phil, why do you come up? We're going to pray with you. And... Uh, going to enjoy hearing the word of God and he'll tell a little bit about what uh, he's uh, transitional pastoring right now for the MB in Pemberton right which is good so let's pray let's pray for Phil father thank you for this man Lord thank you for his family Lord the example that they set Lord we appreciate I appreciate the way that he is continually pointed to you Jesus as being the answer and the hope and the power that we all desperately need and so, Father, I pray now, as he brings your word, that you would give him an anointing, that, Lord, you would charge him up, that, God, as he brings us the word, that, Lord, it would find good ground, that, Lord, we pray that we would remember these words because they are coming from you. And so, Lord, we pray this in faith and believing that you use your servant, and we're looking forward to that. And we ask these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Good morning. Uh, it's good to be with you. This is tall, isn't it? Wow. It's because I'm a short human. Awesome. Wonderful. If you've got a Bible, um, uh, turn to, if you will, uh, the book of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke is my favorite writer, right? He's just wicked cool at writing. Very, very good writer. Um, he actually writes more of the New Testament than anybody else. People think it's Paul. It's not. If you just do a word search, it's Luke. Luke Acts. Add the words together in that. It's more words than Paul writes. Uh, he's an incredible writer. One of the reasons that I like Luke is the fact that he writes for Gentiles. He writes for people who don't understand, which is me, right? So, so and you. Um, so don't get over your pride. Uh, so he writes for us, and, and he writes in a particular way, which is wonderful the way, the way he does it. Uh, and and we, we, we threw Mark in between Luke and Acts, because what were we thinking? Uh, so we miss, we miss the consistency. What you, so the only way to read Luke is to read uh, right from Luke to Acts, because it hinges at the ascension. 
uh, and that's why, why he does this brief recap in the beginning of Acts where he, where he leaves at the ascension of Jesus in Luke and then he picks it back up in the beginning of, of Acts and it's, and it's really cool, it, it just runs as one story and if you read that you get this incredible gospel picture uh, especially for Gentiles, right? So it's us, it's awesome, I love it, brilliant, right, Luke, Luke chapter 24 um, and this is what's happening, the, the, uh, it's resurrection day, Jesus, Jesus has been resurrected, it's been an incredible weekend, it's the weekend in which uh, there was this incredible mockery of a trial, where Jesus has been bef- betrayed by one of his friends, um, and, 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 has, and has been betrayed by him, and, and, and sold, and, and the other friend just, Peter, I'll die with you, Peter, him, you know, Peter the water walker. He gives, he doesn't even sell him for 30 pieces of silver. He swaps friendship with the king of kings and lord of lords for social acceptance at a place by a warm fire. What are you thinking? Right? And, and, then, and then resurrection day happens and, 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 and <laughs> during the crucifixion, the, 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 the curtain is ripped in the temple from the top to the bottom, not the bottom from the top. Right? Because God rips it. It's not a human invention that's ripped from the bottom to the top. It's ripped from the top to the bottom because it's divinely done. It's, a, it's an inspirational thing. I'm opening the way to heaven. And so, so God rips this. The, the, there's an earthquake. Tombs burst open. And people who love God passionately are raised from the dead and start walking around in the city Walmart. Right? Like it's just freaking everybody out. All of this stuff is happening. And then, then, to top the weekend off, a, a bunch of ladies get up very early in the morning, very early in the morning, and they walk to the tomb, not looking for a resurrection, but looking for a corpse. Where are the guys? Ladies, this is your verse. All the hairy men for Jesus are cowering in a room, sketched in. (laughs) Romans might be coming. The women are out there buying spices and herbs and walking to a grave. All these great warriors, they're cowards. The ladies of... (laughs) Mighty hairy ladies for Jesus, right? (laughs) Like the guts that this walk takes is incredible. And they turn up at the tomb. Turn up, and they, and, <laughs> and they get met by Mr. Clean. You know, I don't know what you think of when you think of angels, but I don't think of this. I think of Mr. Clean. You know, it's like the guys on the front of the bottle. You know, Mr. Clean. And the very air around him is vibrating because he's just stepped out of the presence of Almighty God into the into our time space continuum and he brings with him the power of the heavenly realms and he steps from the throne room of God into heaven and the grass around him is just going the molecules are shaking all around him and he, and he, and he announces in one word we, we write it in the Bible he is risen that he says why are you looking for the living and the dead he is not here he is risen that's not what he says in the Bible, when, it, when it's written, it says, uh, you're looking for, he doesn't even ask him, he tells him. You notice that when an angel speaks, he doesn't ask, he tells. You are looking for. Well, how do you know? <laughs> I'm an angel. <laughs> so, so you are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, the crucified. And then he says one word, risen. And it's not a, it's not a statement, it's, it's not just a, he is risen. It's like, risen, it's an emphatic 
statement. And once that word is spoken in the New Testament, the world and history itself will never be the same. One word, he says, risen. And these ladies come running back. Because they can't run like men. Right? And the guys go, sounded like nonsense. They sounded like nonsense. And so some of the guys get up and they run and they go to the tomb and they find it exactly as the women have said. All of this happens this weekend. And yet... And yet, even though they sent guys to make sure the women weren't talking nonsense, and they found out it was exactly like the women had said, you've got two of Jesus' disciples. Not, not Pharisees. Right? These are not Pharisees. These are not lawgivers. These are not persecutors. These are Jesus' disciples, right? That's what they are. I know it's disciples, but disciples is just so much more fun to say, right? Disciples. So you've got, you got, you got these two followers of Jesus. All of these events that I've described have taken place in J-Town. It's all happened in Jerusalem. That's where it's happened, right? And they are walking away from it. You understand that? These are followers of Jesus. These are people who've committed to follow him, and, and it's all happened over here. You're looking this way. It's all happened here, and they're walking over here. They're walking east. They're walking away from what they've heard. They're walking, walking away from an empty tomb. They're walking away from an angel giving a message to women. They're walking away from a confirmed resurrection. They're walking away from all of that. Give your head a shake. What are you thinking? Why would you do that? And as they're walking along the road, they're talking. They're just beaking off at each other. Heads are down. They're walking the wrong direction. Jesus says, stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And they leave. Ever there was a time for the women to get hold of the men and say, will you just listen? It was now, right? Of course, they wouldn't say it like that. They'd say, please, darling, just listen. Listen to Jesus. That's what they say. <laughs> Bad, Philip. So right, they're, walking, they're walking along to the village of Emmaus. And as they're walking along, they're talking about everything that happened. Verse 15, check, make sure I'm not lying, right? I'm not lying, but you don't know that. Right? As they talk, walked, they discussed and talked about these things. <laughs> and, who, and who walks next to them? <laughs> it's wonderful. It begins with J, ends with Jesus. Right? Uh, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. Let me, see, Jerusalem, Emmaus. So they're walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Which way does Jesus walk? Think about it. It's, it's not hard. I know it's Sunday morning. All right? Think. Like, it's not a trick question. All right? It really isn't. Right? So they're walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. 
So Jesus comes and, and walks. There's a hint, you see, in the narrative, right? Because it's for Gentiles, right? So there's a hint. It says, Jesus walks alongside. So like, if they're walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, what way is Jesus walking? He's walking from... Do you understand that? Jesus walks the wrong way with them. That just lights me up. He walks the wrong way with them. Do you not understand? You see, preachers would love it if Jesus was coming the other way. We just love that. As they're walking away from Jerusalem, Jesus is walking the other way. They see him and go, oh, it's the Messiah. And they turn around and they do a repent 180 degrees and they walk back with him. We'd love that because it preaches great. But Jesus walks the wrong way with them. We have friends. I have friends. I have family who are walking the wrong way. And my hope and, and joy is that Jesus walks with them even when they're walking away from him. He will not let you go. That is not just a pretty song. There's no, there's no, 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 running after, or, you know, it's great, all right? He, he, there's nothing he won't do to chase you down. Nothing. He will relentlessly pr- pursue you and run you over like an 18-wheeler. You'll be roadkill on the highway of grace. I love that expression. Andrew Shearman said that. He says, we're just roadkill on the highway of grace, and God's on the highway driving an 18-wheeler. He just runs us over in his grace, right? And Jesus walks alongside them even when... Anybody, anybody here, anybody knows someone who's walking the wrong way? Really? Like, you know something? If, if you don't, you need more pagan friends. Truly. Like, if, if anybody got family members who are walking the wrong way? Keep, keep your hand up for a second because we're going to pray. But Father, in Jesus' name, all these people that we're thinking about, get them. God, get them. Pursue them relentlessly. Just walk alongside them. Turn them around. Grab them. Stop them walking away from the resurrection and the only hope that we have on planet Earth. Get them. Holy Spirit, our friend, we give you permission to sick them. Get them. Set on them. Turn them around. Grab their life. Restore them to what they should be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now every time you think about it, remember that Jesus is walking alongside them even if they're walking the wrong way. Right? And he, and he says this. He's sneaky. Jesus is quite a sneaky human. Um, he's also divine. Um, but never forget that he's a human being as he walks the face of the earth. Um, this is what he says. He walks alongside me. He says... So, what are you discussing as you're walking along? What are you discussing? And they stop. They just go, walk along. And what are you discussing? They go, are you the only one? Are you the only one in the whole of Jerusalem who does not know what's happened this weekend? You could almost see the twinkle in his eye, right? Like, well, actually. But he doesn't say that, right? He, he, just, he just plays this incredible, wonderful uh, narrative game that, that's going to affect the whole of humanity forever. 
Like, never, never underestimate the power of this conversation that's about to happen. Uh, what things? He says, <laughs> well, what things? Like he doesn't know. <laughs> what things? <clears throat> it's just wonderful. He's laughing in his palm of his hand. The things that happened to Jesus. Listen to what they say. Just, just incredible words. Listen, listen to the words that they say, the words that they use. In verse 19, what things, Jesus asked, the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth. They're making sure, Luke is making sure that you know who he is. Because right at the beginning of Luke, it says about Jesus of Nazareth. And he's tying the two together. Making sure that you know that it was Jesus who's crucified, Jesus who died, and Jesus who raised from the dead. The Jesus of Nazareth, not the other Jesuses. That one. He's nailing it down for us. Right? The Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Listen to what they said. He was a prophet. Hmm. He was a prophet. Well, yeah, technically. Technically. Muslims will agree with that. Good Muslim disciples. You see, they've relegated... Do you remember in Matthew 16, uh, where Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Remember that? Now he's... We like to preach it like he's right. He's actually not. Because Jesus t- spends the next chapter correcting what he actually says. Um, Thomas actually gets it right. He's the first human being that equates Jesus with God. And we call him Doubting Thomas. I don't know why. I don't know what we're thinking. But he's the first person in the book that says, My Lord and my God to a human being. The first one. He's the first one to call a human being God in the whole of the Bible. My Lord and my God is what Thomas says. He gets it right. Peter's halfway there. But, he, but Peter, he, he says he's the Messiah. They don't say that. They don't say he was the Messiah. They said he was a prophet. He was a mighty miracle worker. He was a good teacher. Hmm. So because things haven't panned out the way they think they should, he's been reduced from being the son of God, the Messiah, to being a prophet, a miracle worker, and a teacher. No, no, he's not. You see, he's the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. He's the all-conquering hero that walks down into hell, walks up to the devil, snatches the keys of death and hell off him, and comes back to life, kicks open the grave, and walks in triumph, this incredible conquering hero, and gives those keys back to the church. That's, that's who he is. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a teacher. He's not just a, a doer of tricks that they call miracles. But because things are not working out the way that they think they should, he's reduced from king of kings and lord of lords. So he's just a prophet and a teacher. How many times in my life do I take the king of kings and lord of lords and reduce him to just a prophet? when things don't work out the way that I want them to. You see, if he's Lord, then he's Lord. He's not just Lord when it's convenient to me. He's not just Lord when his plans align with my plans. We often, we often say, um, God is good. See, you know the script. All the time, God is good. All the time, God is good. All the time, 
So you're not convinced, are you? What happens when he's not? What happens when he's not? You see, the Bible says God is good. So let me rephrase it. What happens when God's version of good does not match up with yours? What then? He's just a teacher. He's just a prophet. No, he's still the king of kings and lord of lords and he is still good. He's still good. He's still good. And, and you think, oh, it's all right for you standing up there with a the mic. You have no idea. No clue. He is still good. When our idea of good is not matched by God's idea of good, He is still the King of kings and Lord of lords. Still. Never forget that. Never reduce Him to anything that He is. The, 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 the church fathers would say there's nothing that we can actually write about God or say about God that doesn't downgrade Him. Think about that. There is nothing that we can say that actually lives up to Him. Everything that we say about him is a downgrade. Everything. Because he is so far above what we can see, think, and imagine that everything we say about him is a downgrade. And they're calling him some, some prophet. And then they say this, we had hoped. We had hoped. We had hoped. Well, why are they? There's this reason why they got it wrong. Listen. We had hoped that he was the Messiah. Woohoo! They're using the M word. Awesome. Uh, we had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel And all this happened three days ago. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who'd come to rescue our nation. Jesus didn't come to rescue their nation. He came to rescue the world. You cannot make this nationalistic. And Jesus won't let them. That's going to bother a lot of you. We can't make this about a nation. Jesus didn't come for a nation. For God so loved the... Begins with what? Ends with earled. For God so loved the... We're not one nation. Get it into your skull. It's like a woodpecker on crack. I told him last night, it's about the world, you dipstick. Not about one group of people. It's about them all, all of them. And they were expecting just one person to come for one nation. They didn't even get it right up into the ascension. They turned to Jesus on the Mount of the Ascension. They said this, are you now going to restore the fortunes of Israel? And it's like Jesus looks at his dad and says, like, just beam me up. Like, I still have all this, and I still don't get it. Banging on about it, it's being nationalistic. Still, and they're saying it to him here. We had hoped. What do you do when, when your hope isn't met? Is he still King of Kings or Lord of Lords? Or you stop coming? I'm, I'm not not going to church anymore. Why not? Why not? Well, I didn't like the way things turned out. I'd be amazed how many times I hear that in a year. Amazed. Did the funeral for my friend's daughter. Um, and, and the way they treated her body was awful with the country that we were in. And uh, she, this little tiny coffin, he, he carried this coffin into the church. And uh, just, just holding it on his own. Uh, we, we put the body in the car and put it in a 
box for her and then took her to the church. And he came into the church. I can get through this one. Um, and, he, and he came into the church carrying this little coffin, singing. Just, I'm watching this guy carry this coffin. And he's singing this. He's singing that. That, that, that incredible song where, where uh, 10,000 reasons carrying the coffin of his daughter into the church. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh, my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul. Worship his holy name. Carrying his dead daughter. When hope seems dead, he's still the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Still. And I said to him after, I said, man, look, why, why did you carry your singing? Like, why? Right? And he said to me this. He's a worship leader, right? This guy's a worship leader. And, and he said this. He said, you can never allow the enemy to take the praise of God out of your mouth. Never. I'm thinking, like, get your hand on my head. Like, pray for me. Like, like I want that. I want that. Like, bless the Lord on my soul. And they walk along saying, we had hoped. Well, who do you cling to when you had hoped? You cling to him who one day, and we talked about this, one day he's going to go to heaven. He's going to shout all the names of his kids and his wife, and he's going to shout the name of his daughter, and she will come running. Why? Because that's where his hope is. So bless the Lord, O my soul. Sing like never before, O my soul. Why? Because even though I had hoped, I had prayed, I had fasted, we we all had that she would be healed and that she would be fine. She wasn't and she died. And in the middle of that crushing of of his seeming, his earthly hope, he still clings on to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Still, we had hoped. We had hoped. This is what happens. Jesus looks at him and says this. Zip 4 to, uh, to verse 25. They, they told him all the stuff that happened, but still they're walking the wrong way. In verse 25 it says this, You foolish people! <laughs> Isn't that great? That's how to win friends and influence people. You foolish people, is what he says. Now he doesn't say raka, but he comes really close. Like he's, he's calling them morally depraved, brutish, and unintelligent. That's what he says. Now try that with your neighbor. I'm just putting it out there. Like just, just try it with your neighbor. Just that—that's not how you win friends and influence people. Like it just—it's. But he says he just looks at them and says, "You foolish people," and and he starts to tell them the offensive but beautiful truth as they walk along the road. And a miracle happens because even after this introduction where he calls them dumb and stupid and foolish, he he goes along and and as he goes to walk past, they invite him to stay. That's a miracle right there, right? He's just insulting me. He explains all this stuff. And as he's talking, there's something going on in their chest. It's like they got, they got, like, was that, was that lamb we ate the other day? Was that okay? Have I got heartburn? Like, what's going on? Acid reflux. Our hearts are burning within us as he's talking to him on the road. It's not indigestion. It's the Holy Spirit of God. It's just going, just bubbling away. It's percolating in there like a good coffee, right? <laughs> And so it's just percolating away in there. And as, he, as he's talking, this is happening. And as they get to the place where they're going to stay, they invite Jesus to stay with them. 
Now look what happens. Read it in your text. It says this. It says, when they sat down to eat, Jesus took bread and broke it. And we speed read past that. This is written for Gentiles. Why did he write that? How many people How many people have got a house that they either rent or live in? Or you live in your parents' basement if you're 36? And you've got no life, all right? <laughs> all right, no, so, so how, many, how many people have a house? Or, or somewhere that they live in, yeah? okay? Ever, ever invited guests to your house? Ever done that? Who's the host? You or your guest? Me. Go to her house. <laughs> all right? So who breaks the bread? Right answer. The host. Whose house is this? Begins with not Jesus's. (laughs) It still ends with not Jesus's, right? So they invite him to where they are staying. We don't know if it's their house or if it's a hotel. But he's the invited guest. What is he doing breaking the bread? I'll tell you what he's doing. He's declaring his headship. My house. You invited me in. But it's mine. He's taking the place at the head of the table and saying, I don't care who you are or where you think you're traveling. I don't care where you've been and what hopes you've put in the ground. But I am the head of this house. And he rips the bread. Remember when they, when they went back to, to the, the tomb uh, to see Jesus? And Mr. Clean is sitting there on the side. And it says that uh, right there in John chapter 20, I had to check to make sure. John chapter 20, it says this that the grave clothes that he was wearing are all crumpled. But the thing that's wrapped around his head is folded and set to one side. Ever wonder why? Because in Middle Eastern tradition, if you're sitting down at a table and you have a cloth to wipe your mouth and your food in your hands, if you screw the cloth up like that and just throw it on the plate, it means you're done. But if you fold it, it means you're coming back. It also means that the body may be in tatters, but the headship is in order. Headship's decided. And Jesus sits down at this table and he rips the bread because I may be a guest, invited guest in the house, but I'm actually the head of the house. I'm the head of the house. And he sits down at the table of our life and he said, you may have invited me in, but I'm the head of the house. And and I want to break bread with you, but you can only do it under my terms. You break bread with me as the head of the house. I might be an invited guest, but I'm the host. I'm the the host. I tear the bread and I give it to you. Why? Because my rightful place is king of kings and lord of lords. I'm more than a prophet. I'm more than a doer of tricks. I'm I'm more than just some some good teacher. I'm the king of kings and lord of lords. And until we put him in his right place, we can have no lasting hope. We can't. 
And there's some of you in this room, there's some of me in this room that's constantly trying to walk the wrong way away from God, constantly. And my, my wonderful realization is that Jesus walks alongside me, constantly pointing me back to where I should be going. Constantly. But he constantly demands of me that I allow him to be the head of this house. Constantly does it. And on resurrection days, these people are walking away from a resurrection. The resurrection's happened. It's a fact and it's, and it's, and it's been done. But they can still walk away from it. And the areas of our lives where God comes along and walks alongside us and say, Why are you walking this way? Why, why are you chasing all this other stuff when the resurrection's happened? Don't walk away from it. Allow him to be Lord of every single area in your life and let him be. Let him come in, break bread with you and share the bread with you in your house. Let him do it. And, and give him the hopes and dreams that die along the way and see what he can do with them. Because you never know, right? Just stand with me if you will. Because I'd like to pray for us if you can. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that some of us in this room